How are we doing, everyone? And welcome to episode six of Talking to Mod. Now, I've got a little story to tell you all. It was my birthday at the weekend, and uh, I ticked off a little bucket list because I got to meet the last member that I haven't met of the jam. So I've met Paul Weller, I've met Bruce Foxton, and now I've met the drummer, Rick Buckler. And I tell you what, what a lovely guy. It was so nice to meet him. And not only that, as I said, it was lovely to say that I've met the whole, uh, the full members of my favourite band, The Jam. Uh, it really was a lovely moment. I had my mum, my girlfriend, or fiancé, should I say, and I had my boy there, little Lonnie, and it was just great to share that moment with him. Now, today, we have got a legend in football. He has got a fantastic CV from his playing days to managing. Kit Simons is the name, and he's a, I've known Kit for a good long time now, and uh, this is going to be a cracking episode. So let's get on with it. Ladies and gentlemen, sit back, relax, enjoy episode six of Talking to Mod with Kit Simons. Here we go. <laughs> You're upside down, Mush. He's having one. He's having one. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Kit. Seriously, <laughs> it goes downhill when you're on the red stuff, mate. <laughs> Excellent. That's better. There we go. Phenomenal. There we go. Oh, mate, phenomenal. Uh, funny enough, before you come on, I was going to say, I bet he's on the red stuff. <laughs> Well, after last time, I think I needed it. <laughs> Mate, I nearly started drinking again, I tell you. <laughs> to be honest, as again I said, apologies, it might have been my fault because I was in the um, the west wing of the house. Oh, of course, of course, <laughs> absolutely. So, we haven't that... got that problem over here in Vista, <laughs> <all right. laughs> That was a dress rehearsal, shall we say. So, let's pretend it never happened. Okay, mate. Excellent. Kit, how are you, mate? You well? Yeah. Very good, pal. Very good, thanks. Good. It's good to see you, man. It's been a while. I think last time we saw each other was the uh, was the charity game, I think. Yeah, I, I think so. Oh, did, yeah, I think so. Or did we bump in it a Fulham game? I'm not sure. I think. Do you know what? Yeah. You're right. We did occasionally bump in, and I always used to put your head away by shouting out, "All right, Gaffer, how are you?" <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, mate, I always had my bag, uh, my boots in a bag with me. But I'm so disappointed you never like put me on a trial or anything like that. I mean. You saw me in the charity games, mate. I was half decent. Yeah, about that. Right, uh, so, Kit, how did you first get involved in football? Um, I've, I've, you've put me off now. I can't, I'll put you, I'm thinking what? about you in that charity game. Oh, my God. Listen, I, was, I weren't as bad as Jack Whitehall. No, no, of course not. He had that two goes, left feet, mate, and they that, were atrocious. That goes about saying Funny enough, right, funny story before I go on to that. I remember we did this, um, we're doing the warm-up, right? And I remember Sean Davis flipped the ball up, right? And I tell you, I don't know how it happened. Somehow I've managed to control it on the side of my boot, still keep it up in the air, then I've chested it. And something in my head just said, just go for the crossbar. So I've shouted out crossbar, hit it on the volley. I've only ended up getting it right in the putney end, didn't I? It was atrocious, mate, honestly. <laughs> Everyone just looked at me, and I think even Brevitt said, I hope you're on the bench, mate. And you know when he's saying that, it's bad, mate. Oh, dear. Oh. No, good days, though. It was good fun, mate, wasn't it? It, it was, was mate. It was. So, Kit, let me get a... I mean, obviously, we've been friends for a while now, but I want to get to know a little bit more about your footballing background. So, how did it all start out, mate? Well, it started most really for me when I was um, I was like first year at senior school. 
And um, my school played, um, I was in, went to school in Basingstoke and I went to the Vine and we played against another school, Harriet Costello, at, at their school. Um, and the sportsmaster was the referee for, from Harriet. And uh, we got a penalty and it was um, a typical school pitch back in the day. The penalty spot was like a big crater in the ground. And so I, um, as you would, moved the, the ball like a couple of yards just behind the crater to take the penalty. And he went, no, 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 no. you got to take it from the, the proper, proper like, crater. I'm like, are you having a laugh? So I thought about it. It's a proper big, big hole in the ground like that. So if I kick it too hard, it's going to go up and over the bar. So I sort of thought about it and kicked it just hard enough. So it went in the corner and sort of up a little bit and over to keep the keep dive low. So I did it like really slow. But it, obviously it went up and over him and into the corner. So um, I sort of run, run back to take, for them to take the kick off and uh, gave a little wink to the, the referee who was their games master, a bit cheeky. And uh, at the end of the game, he came over to Moorsman. and I thought, oh, here we go. He's going, right, go up here. And, um, but what it was, he was, he was um, a guy called Mick Quitchell, and he was a scout for Portsmouth as well. And they had um, like a satellite centre in Basingstoke. And he just said, listen, you know, do you want to come along to training with, with Portsmouth on a Wednesday night? Um, and at that time, Alan Ball was a youth manager. So he'd come down most, most Wednesdays and, and help take the sessions. So it was brilliant, you know, 11-year-old kid like myself um, getting coached by, by Alan Ball, World Cup winner. So it was, uh, yeah, that was my first sort of introduction and um, ended up being obviously signing for Portsmouth when I left school, um, doing like the YTS it was then, two-year YTS, and then went on pro. I was, at, I was at Pompey for eight years and then sort of went on from there. Was it always like your... Like a, I wouldn't say so much a dream, but it was we just so fixated on I just want to be a footballer. That's it. Yeah, pretty much. Um, my mum was uh, like my dad died when I was little, so my mum was very much about you got to do all your schoolwork and you know study properly and all that because you know no not many people make it and all this, which is which is true. And so she really pushed me to keep up with my schoolwork as well. But so I did it to keep just to shut her up basically but I knew I wanted to be a footballer and I was um sort of that that one thing in my mind really that's all I, when I was really young I wanted to be a vet and I used to watch that James Herriot all creatures great and small and I saw him shove his hand up this cow so that put me off that when I was about five <laughs> so um it was football from then on so that was it you I couldn't I couldn't, wanted... go, and do, I couldn't go and be a vet after seeing that you wanted to be a vet when I was really little, so I love animals. I still love animals. Um, and that was my thing. That was like my dream thing when I was a real little kid. Bless you. Uh, but like from, from sort of like seven or eight onwards, yeah, it was, it was just all football. What, do you remember your first pair of football boots? Uh, well, my first pair were a pair from Woolworths, Winfield Supers. Yeah, with, but they had screwing studs. So I thought that was amazing because um, they had Screwing studs, and then I remember, I remember a lot of my boots. I had some Gola ones were my first, then some half decent pair. Um, I got a pair of Patrick International with like fold over tongue, and I bought them. My mum gave me like a, an envelope I opened Christmas Day, and it was like just a twenty pound note, and it said, "This is a pair of football boots." So the next day in the sale, I went straight down to Players Sports in Basingstoke and um, bought a pair of Patrick International. They were brilliant, best boots I ever had, still to this day.
the, the, some of the colours and that have got a bit out of hand now, the boots. I just like black and white. Maybe yeah, I'm, I'm very, very, much black, very much black and white. Even now when I do, you know, I've been coaching at clubs or with Wales or whatever, I just, pair of copers, old style copers, can't beat them. Remember, remember when, like, obviously nowhere near the standard that you, you know and all that, but when I ever used to play football, if someone turned up in like a bright pair of boots, used to go up to them and go, tell you what, mate, you've got to be one hell of a player to do, you know, to pull them off, mate. But, yeah, it's mental these days. But, Kit, let's touch about, you mentioned about Portsmouth and then you went on to Manchester City as well. I mean, was that a good time for you? I remember you telling me before it was <laughs> so good. Yeah, it didn't, didn't go quite to plan. So, about eight years at Pompey, some really good years, like FA Cup semi-final and just missed out on promotion and, and lost out in the playoffs. But we had some really good times and a, a good team. Uh, but then Jim Smith was, was like my main sort of manager there um, when I was playing first team. And Jimmy had gone then, thought it's time for a move. And um, and Man City came in. Borley was now at Man City. So he signed me at, at Man City, Adam Ball. And um, in the Premier League, I had sort of high hopes, you know, turned, turned up there. But it didn't quite go out of plan. And we, uh, we got relegated my first season. Last day of the season, we drew 2-2 with Liverpool. But we had the same points as Southampton and Coventry, so we went down on goal difference, um, which was which was like real. That was a tough one to take, you know. And then um, next season was average, and my third season there was was a disaster. I I had an absolute stinker to be honest, and um, uh, I was getting pelters left, right, and centre. It's even like Manchester is is like it's brilliant, great great place, but when we lost. The binmen were City fans, my dustmen, and they wouldn't take the rubbish away. Yeah, it. <laughs> bearing in mind, bearing in mind, we got relegated that that third season. We lost a lot of games, so I had shitloads of rubbish outside my house. Neighbours hated me. <laughs> it's unbelievable, but it's brilliant. I, I loved, I loved it up in Manchester. I loved the club. It was just, I, you know, I was there at a very difficult time for the football club, and and I suffered personally as well. But you know, that's life. You sort of wipe your face and get on with it. You know. Yeah, Ma Manchester. As I mentioned you, to you before, Kit, it's, it's such a special place. I mean, uh, me and the missus normally go there, and the nightlife is phenomenal. But, uh, well, I wouldn't know about that. No, of course, I was mate. obviously focused and you professional, know, professional to the to the last. Yeah, I think it was you who um, gave me a few recommendations for a few bars. Probably <laughs> sounds about right. <laughs> so, of course. Uh, you noticed, as I said to you before, we just touched on a few clubs and now we're coming on to Fulham. <laughs> well, that's what last time when we had take one of this, it was very much token, very much token gesture. Speak to him about a couple of the other clubs. You didn't even mention Palace at all this time. Kit, listen, I told you I'm doing it in the order, <laughs> mate. Do you remember? Uh, oh, right, right, right. Okay, okay, fair enough, fair enough. I mean, Kit, you know it's always going to be about Fulham, <laughs> of, course mate. It, no, of, course, of course you are. I'd expect nothing else. I just dangled the carrot with the other teams didn't I exactly exactly now obviously Kit that must have been I wouldn't say you know I'm not speaking for you saying it's your highlight but I mean you must have had some so many memorable moments at Fulham Football Club especially the time you were there mate well it was like it's sort of funny because I, I just had two relegations at Man City and um, I could have gone to a club in the championship that was sort of quite close to where I was living as well I wouldn't have had to move and, uh, but then Cookie, Chris Coleman phoned me up and, and just said, listen, mate, I, he just signed, obviously, the halfway for the season before. He said, mate, listen, this, 
you know, we want you keep, like the club want you to come here. I've got Kevin Keegan here with me now. He wants to talk to you, but he's mate, think about it. And so he put Kevin on the phone. I spoke to Kevin Keegan, who's it's, it's quite impressive when you know the, the manager wants to speak to you and it's it's someone like like Kevin. Um, but it was like, like it was a league lower. I could have gone. I had another championship offer um, for more money as well. Kevin said, just listen, just come down. And they sold, sold me this dream. Like, Al Fide had a five-year dream uh, that I'd be in the, pre in the Premier League within five years. And um, basically, I went down, sort of met up with Kevin, had a look around the place. And we I mean, didn't even have a training ground. And we used to train at the Bank of England. Obviously, Craven Cottage was um, really, really quaint and, and loads of history there. But it was a very old ground and obviously much different to what it is now. Uh, although it's saying that it's still got the character, which which is brilliant. Um, but Kevin's just sold me this dream, like yeah, and I, I bought it. And to be fair, it was like a five-year plan or five-year dream uh, to get in the Premier League, and we did it in three years. So um, you know, it was it all came to fruition, sort of thing. And it was the lowest level I'd ever played at, but that first season was probably the most fun, the best enjoyment I've ever had. You know, we won the league sort of uh, a bit of a cancer really with, under Kevin and the team spirit was phenomenal as good as I've ever seen and uh, yeah, yeah it was it was a great laugh and I must say I've gone from I went from two relegations in three years to two promotions in three years with Fulham so it's, it's funny how football can sort of turn itself around a little bit maybe it was just meant to be mate maybe maybe but but I mean, certainly like I said we had we had great times like on and off the pitch with a uh, a brilliant group of people, you know, all the staff connected with the club and, and everything as well. It was, it was great times. Certainly was. I mean, there were so many characters. Uh, as I said before, Kit, I've got a photo here and I'm going to reel off a few names. Um, it's a bit like we've done this already, this, isn't it, Kit? Funny that, yeah. Deja vu. <laughs> now, this photo here, I'm going to show you. I'm sure you've seen this many a times, mate. Yeah. Beautiful yeah. photo. Fantastic photo. Um, I normally have it in the background, but because you're on, I took it down. I didn't <laughs> want to look too fanboy, do you know what I mean? But I mean, some of the names, Kit, I'm going to reel them off to you, okay? So first of all, I'm going to say Mike Taylor. Yeah, brilliant goalkeeper, Mike. Really, really good keeper, very athletic. Um, the, the only problem Mike had was, I think I said to you before, any time we conceded a goal, me and Cookie could never take responsibility so we'd always turn around and blame Mike. It was clearly yeah. our fault, but but we always turn around and blame Mike. But he was um he was an excellent keeper. And, and like I said, that first season we had a I think a record number of clean sheets, and a lot of that was down to him. You know, he, he was excellent, very very good. I, I didn't tell you this last time, but um I did a gig in Stratford upon Avon, and he come down, and we had a bit of lunch together, and um me, the missus and, and Mike, we all got a photo, I put it on the socials and everyone thought I met Sting. <laughs> they were like, what are you doing with him? He's a legend. I was like, it's Mike Taylor, mate. Like, what are you playing at? Like, honestly. And he was messaging me saying, do I actually look like Sting? I was like, no, don't worry about it, mate. I think Sting's about 30 years older, isn't he? <laughs> but honestly, this photo, like, I was actually looking at it going, shit, he does a bit though, did he? Do you know what I mean? I have to dig this photo out and send it to you, mate. It is a belter. But um, Lee Clark. Yeah, Nashke obviously came down with 
Paul Bracewell um, when we were in the championship. A great, great player, real proper baller like Nash. And I mean, we had some. Yeah, I mean, like I say, the names you're going to reel off now, really, really good. With some really good players, few that had been there, like people like I mean, you're going to mention Brev in a minute, a few, a few, and Cookie, obviously, few had been there um, from like quite early days. Um, obviously, just as our fire, the Alfire Revolution sort of started, those boys joined. Um, but yeah, a lot, a lot of really good players came in at this time now, you know, especially. Like you said, you mentioned Brevet, and I'm going to mention the other two with Barry Ailes and Sean Davis. Now, whenever them three are in town, mate, it's always carnage. Absolutely. Three amigos, yeah. They, they, I mean, they used to be thick as thieves, those boys. And I mean, it was, it was good because there were sort of little groups within the big group, if you like, but not like sometimes you get clicks and they can be a bit of a problem. Here, we just did, like I said, those three boys were, were really tight, sort of. Um, me and Cookie, Neil Smith and Steve McInnesby. But then there was like the first thing, Pesh and Stevie Awood and boys. That so there's a few little sort of groups, but they weren't clicks and everyone just genuinely got on with each other. And it was, it was just a brilliant team spirit. And, uh, and it was, you know, it's it just really good times. Like I say on and off the pitch. I mean, we'd certainly roll our sleeves up and scrap for each other uh, on the pitch. But we'd have a good laugh and, and mix and socialise and, and look after each other off the pitch as well. It was really good. You mentioned Neil Smith. Now, here's, here's a little story for you. Smudge used to, uh, he came in, cut long story short, I was at Croydon Athletic for a little bit, right? And he came in and trained us once. Right? And I went up to him and went, pleasure to meet you, mate. Big Fulham fan and all this, right? Anyway, made us do all these runs and I was at the back. And I remember him shouting out, Ben, come on, keep up. Or do you want me to tell everyone you had my poster on your wall? <laughs> but then he went down to Bromley for a yeah, bit. and um, Bromley for quite a while, yeah. He, he invited me down to, um, I think, it was the day before they played Bristol Rovers, I think, in the FA Cup. He wanted me to come down and show the lads a few tricks like I did at Fulham. And we'll touch up on that in a minute, right? Kit, I brought my football boots and said, I'm I'm fancy training. <laughs> I did the training with the boys as well. <laughs> it was classic, mate. But lovely bloke. Great character, man. Really yeah, great character. Boys, yeah, top lads. It's, top lads. I mean, we could, list, we could go on all, all day about the, the characters in that team. And I think, you know, what that team had and what a lot of teams these days don't have is a real bond and a, a lot of characters which really... You know, that speaks, speaks words, doesn't it? I mean, look at Cookie, for example. I mean, leader, yourself, Kit. You know, I'm not going to blow smoke up your ass because you're a friend, but great character, mate, to have in a team. And you, it, it shines through with what you later went on with, with in life, in your career, you know, in the coaching and the management. But, I mean, these days I find sometimes, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but it just seems that they're not really as close as they should be, like they were back in you know, five, like 10 years ago, 20 years ago. Do you know what I, I mean? Think, yeah, I think, I mean, the game is, is different these days. I mean, when I first joined, it was like Simon Morgan, people like that were oh, there and, and brilliant. been there for years, Morgs, obviously, who was a very good player, but a, a real top lad as well. So, and Kevin really, he sort of let us run the changing room, really, the, the senior pros, because he trusted us to do it. And, you know, I, I like, think we did it pretty well. Um, but then to be fair to, to Garner, who came in and obviously then, started bringing in some of the players that we, we talked about. And I mean, you know, the likes of Louis Saha, Steve Melbourne, Boa, you know, these boys. But, 
but he, he also realised how important that that spirit that was already there, and he, he sort of he, he made sure he kept hold of that as well, or, or we kept hold of that, and and then yeah, and and then you had the balance of the, the mixture of the two, then some real top top football players, but then with a real good sort of mentality and a great dressing room as well, and that was you know you can't go wrong, you get that formula and you, oh, you've got every chance. I mean, them, them three names, Kit, you just reeled off. I mean, Steve Malbronk, I have him as one of the... He's probably my second... like fa My first favourite uh, Fulham player was Sean Davis. You know, I thought he was the one I looked up... Well, not looked up to, but like I really just loved everything he did. I mean, especially to play for all the leagues all with Fulham. And, four levels, yeah, it's phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, that's unheard of, isn't yeah. it? And I remember when I first met him, like he was everything I thought he would be. I met him in one of the lounges and said, oh, I played in the charity game. And I think he actually went, yeah, you had a stinker like that. And I was like, oh, cheers, mate, like that. But after that, we built a friendship. And as you know, we all went out a few times with the three amigos and that, and it's brilliant. But I mean, Steve Malbronk was, he was a magician, wasn't he? I mean, the stuff he did with a ball, like he was, he was brilliant, wasn't he? He, he was a, a special talent for sure. And, and like my time there, he... <laughs> The, the, the unfortunate thing for him, well, in in a way, was that Louis Saha was there as well because he sort of overshadowed him. Steve, Steve himself was was a tremendous player, brilliant, brilliant talent. But I mean, that the first season that, that Louis was at Fulham was ridiculous. He was he was like unplayable. I've never seen anything like it. Over the course of a season, he he was absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. Um. And and no one. I mean, because he was strong and. He, he, I mean, he'd had a few injury problems like years leading up to it to come into Fulham. Uh, he'd been at Newcastle and stuff and, and picked up a few knocks and stuff like that. But he was, like I say, people try to kick him and bouncing off as well. So he, he was he was like quick. He was really strong, great in the air, could spin right, could spin left, you know, go off both ways and incredible talent. And like I say that, and his, his performance over the course of the season was the best I've ever seen. No, phenomenal. The last, um, when we were in the championship a few seasons ago, the season Alexander Mitrovic had, there was a lot of questions flying about saying, trying to compare the two out of Luis Sahar and Mitrovic. Me personally, I don't think you really can. You know, that's just me saying it. I mean, Luis Sahar was, I mean, a lot of people still class him as the king at Fulham. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Well, we support, we, the other players, we used to call him King Louis. So, you know, <laughs> I don't know what you fans did. But oh, we called him. <laughs> we, like, we, like, we were like adulation for him. Was, so, yeah. He was phenomenal. But, I mean, I mean Mitrovic, he, he's, he's a fantastic player. And I bet he's, um, you know, as a defender, I bet he would be a nightmare to play against, you know, because he's, he knows how to wind you up. And he's, he's very strong and aggressive, isn't he? Is he like a dream to have in your team? Oh, he's the sort of player you want, yeah, for sure. I mean, he's a top, he's a top, top player, you know. And it's, I mean, what was nice was obviously that he'd had to spell it at Newcastle as well, Mitro, and you know, a lot of people were then questioning, will he, can he do it at the Premier League? But I think he's, uh, in no uncertain terms, he's answered those questions, has not he? Oh, he certainly has. I mean, I know at the moment. There's a lot of rumours going around and at one point it looked like he wasn't going to play for us again. And I know he played, he came on on the 68th minute at the weekend in a friendly. I know there was a bit of a mixed reaction. Um, I would like to ask you, you as a man, you know, as an ex-Fulham manager, do you think Marco Silva's dealt with this really well? The situation with Mitrovic? 
I think so. Again, you don't. I don't have no idea what's sort of gone on, gone on behind closed doors and stuff. But just the fact that he's not played it out too much in the press. Just try and keep it as in house as possible. I mean, you know, things were coming out from the players' side, from mm. family members or whatever, you know. Um, but the, the club have kept sort of pretty quiet on it and dealt with it professionally, really. I think you know, till till something happens and, and they get an offer that they're willing to accept for example it's all speculation anyway so yeah. no, I think I dealt with it pretty well I don't, I don't again I don't know the conversations that, no, of course. Uh, that the managers had, had with the player but he's um, I would think the way the way that I've seen he's conducted himself Marco Silva he, he's handled it in a in a very good way you know he's I mean he's been excellent since he's come into Fulham just per se so I would think he's dealt with this in the right way as well. Very good. No, 100%. Now, let's. we talked about your time as a player. You talked about the players you played with. Now, let's talk about when you were a manager at Fulham. And also, you gave me one of the best away days I've ever had at Brighton away. Mate. Brighton away. Hugo scored the winner, yeah. Remember it well. I remember That's, it well. Great day. I mean, I remember um, before the game, I remember telling you, me and my dad, we had these... Uh, we were in one of the boxes and uh, we didn't know if we were above the away fans, obviously, near them, but we weren't. We were in with like all the home fans who we were like, oh, Jesus Christ. And there's me with my Fulham scarf around. I, I looked like a bit like a, I don't know, a mod version of Alpha Air. I had this big sheepskin jacket <laughs> on and all that. Well, not a sheepskin, like a black one. And I had the scarf around me and then I had my dad next to me like a minder, you know, big lump. It was brilliant, mate. But... Um, what a fantastic away day that was, mate. I mean, that was brilliant. And it was nice to see you before with Pems and, and Reedy as well. Yeah, so I remember you came down, wasn't it? Just, um, you obviously got there really early that day. About and, two uh, hours before down, kickoff. Yeah, came down to have a chat with us uh, yeah, before the game and that. So, no, it was nice. And I had a few mates there as well who were sitting up by you as well, actually, behind in, in, with, the, uh, in with the home fans. A few mates of mine from where I used to live who were big Fulham fans. And uh, so, yeah, so they, they came to the games. Also. So it was, uh, it was a special day. Um, yeah, it was a good time. And yeah, please see Hugo. Hugo popped up with a winner, yeah. Yeah, I, I liked him as a... I really did like Hugo Rodiego. I thought he was brilliant, you know. And he's always someone who, I, from the fans' point of view, always gave 100%. We're not often come up with a goal, but he'd always run his bollocks off. Do you know what I mean? And it was lovely to see him score that, man. Yeah. Especially because Darren Bent... If my memory serves me right, scored first and then cupped his ears, didn't he, at the Fulham fans? That's right, that's right. I mean, it's funny, we've been talking about Hugo as well. So, when I took over um, as caretaker, um, it was Hugo, Brian Ruiz um, and Amra Bieta were all were just training on their own. Those three were just, just like put aside from the rest of the squad and had to train on their own. So, obviously, when one of the first things I did um, was, was get them, you know, three quality players. Um, yeah. And we needed all the help that we could get. We had we had one point from 21 when I took over at the start of the season. So it, was a, it wasn't um, yeah, it wasn't great times. But I got those three boys back involved. And um, I think Fernando might have got sent off a couple of times, which was his way. But he was a good player. Um, and, we, yeah, we needed them. And, uh, yeah, be fair, like I say, Hugo, obviously Brian Ruiz, Showed, showed some of his quality and Hugo popped up with a few important goals for us. 
I, I, you, you mentioning about the players training on their own. I remember that now because I remember you invited me to come down and show the boys some tricks um, when you were at, with the, was it the under 21s lads? 21s, yeah, yeah that's right, yeah. And I remember you gave me a little tour and we saw them training on their own. And I was like, what's going on here? Do you know what I mean? It was a bit of a weird one, wasn't it? But yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was, um, it was a difficult time for the whole club, yeah. you know. So playing side and the off the field side as well, you know. I mean, it's when I first took over um, as caretaker, the, all the Fulham fans were singing, we want our Fulham back. Because the club had lost its identity, I suppose, was was what had happened and it was it was a bit of a mess it was a bit of a mess oh, so yeah. i was conscious of sort that the off-field stuff um almost as much as the on-field stuff i mean that was the most important we had to get a few points points in the bank get a few results in um but i was conscious of of the like I say the club had, had lost its way for sure and um it was like someone had switched the light off and i had to you know put a new bulb in and, and turn the light back on basically no, I, I think you did do that, Kit. I'm not just saying it, as I said, but I remember you gave us some great times. There was one, I can't think if it was your first home game or your second one. I remember standing in the Hammersmith end and we were winning. I can't, memory's not as good as it used well, to be. Well, it definitely wasn't the first one because we lost 1 0 to Blackburn and Sean Atkinson got right. sent off. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Well, it must have been, it was one of them. I remember we were all singing Shoes Off if you love oh, yeah. them. And we ended up winning. That. I don't know where that came from. Well, some there was a there was a picture of you with your hands in the air right after we won and someone photoshopped a pair of gazelles <laughs> i in saw your... that <laughs> i remember that picture and i was like what's it all about it's just got, i remember Shoes that off if you love Fulham. What's that going i on? remember me and my old man standing next to each other and people were singing that and he was like no chance lad it'll take me about half an hour to put them back on again <laughs> bless him man but oh, it, remember right we when the Khans come in, uh, they were the owners of Jacksonville Jaguars as well. And I remember they played at Wembley. And if my memory serves me right, Kit, you uh, got to wine and dine on his yacht, didn't you? Yeah, that's right. We played, um, I think we played Sheffield Wednesday at home, pouring down the rain. Uh, we beat Sheffield Wednesday. I can't remember what it was. I don't know. It was a good win anyway. I think maybe 3-0, three, 3-1. Three three I think last Christensen might score one, but yeah, I remember we got we got a good win against Sheffield Wednesday anyway, and then um, yeah, this big party on uh, on Kismet, I think his, his boat's called, and it was like oh, some I've never seen anything like it. it was a call it a yacht? It's flipping out. That's a cruise liner. It's huge, but um, brilliant. Yeah, really, really good party. And then I went to the, to the American football the next day to watch the Jags as well. Yeah. I remember, I remember seeing photos of you on there, and I was thinking, I'm, I'm, again, my phone must have been off that night. I didn't get an invite. But the next day, right? This is a funny one. Uh, Reedy was, who was your assistant, wasn't he? That's right. Yeah, Sean Reed. Yeah. He yeah. messaged me and says, "Do you want to come to the NFL?" I'm thinking, yeah, I'll give that a good go. And we went out with all the backroom staff with me, Reedy, um, Benelli's sister was there, yeah. who was a four of us there, yes, right, yeah. 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 And there was loads of us. And I think we went to th this curry house who, I think it was the doctor's brother's curry house or something like that. That's it, right. It, yeah, right? Yeah. And yes. we went there. And I think he actually, like, I mean, I didn't just we didn't assume that we were going to get it for free, but I actually think he looked after us and just gave us a freebie, right? So I thought, 
I'll get the first round when we go to Wembley, right? Biggest mistake of my life, mate, right? There's about 10 of us who are all on the Carlsberg, and I went, yeah, just 10, oh, Carlin, yeah, 10 Carlins, please. When the bill come up, I felt like saying, can we just leave it for Kit Simons? Is that all right? Honestly, it was a joke. Like, I was thinking, oh, mate, I, I was like, well, thankfully, thankfully, it's another nine people before it's my round again, and then I can do one. That was, that was ridiculous. But it was great. You know, it goes back to what you say, you know, when you were at Fulham uh, as a player, the, the people around the club, and especially, again, when you were the manager, there were some great people in the backroom staff as well. I mean, Mark Pembridge, I got to know him from you, and he actually rang me up to do a gig for, a, I think it was his son or something. Some, But that wouldn't have happened in, unless you got me in at the club. Yeah, so, in the first place, yeah. Yeah, and, and I, I just think that, that sort of, for me as a fan and for doing the magic around the club, that I don't think that would happen now. Um, and this is the thing with, with, with Fulham especially, I mean, all football clubs really, but, but probably Fulham especially, it, was, it always was such a real like family club and everyone was part of it. Because of the setup as well with Mosper Park, uh, and all the office staff being on site there. Um, everyone's got to feel, when, when it's successful and, and working really well, everyone does feel part of it. And um, and that, that was really important. And because I knew the club and I knew, I knew sort of like the fabric of it, if you like, I knew I knew what was needed and what had to be done, um, getting those people. So, so the first training session, I, um, I got a shout. I think the play, uh, first team played Forest away on a Wednesday night. Which was McGat's last game. We got got a big defeat up at Forest, and then um, I was just literally about to go home from training on the Thursday, and I got the shout that that he'd, he'd been sacked, and they want me to take over. Um, so the first thing I, I did, because all the office staff, what, what had happened? Because Mosper Park's quite sort of small, like the canteen and things like that. But everyone used to just muck in together. But then. It had been stopped, so the first team would just eat on their own, and none of the office staff were allowed in the canteen. So the first thing I did was change all that back to how it used to be, and um, I, I made it like an open training session for all the staff to just come out, come and watch the boys train on a Friday before this Blackburn game. And loads of it's nice sunny day, loads of staff came out, and it just felt like the club was coming back a little bit, and you know they took. It took a lot of hard work then on the pitch and stuff like that, but no, the boys did really well to turn it round. But then there was a lot of help from from all the staff, you know, pulling together as well. Just just a quick one: when you got that call to say that you were going to get the the sort of the job, you were going to step up and take over. What was going through your head? How did you feel? Um. Yeah, it was a sort of more excited, really. Um, but also, there's a little bit of trepidation. Like I said, we're one point from the first seven games. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think anyone's ever stayed up with with that. Um, so I knew it was going to be a big ask. But also, I was very excited. You know, I'd I've done the under 18s previously, and and really loved working with the under 18s. That's probably my favourite sort of job, just just for pure enjoyment and and satisfaction feeling like, like I was doing some good. Um, and then I got I sort of got pushed up to take the reserves or the 21s. If you like. I didn't really want to do it because I, I loved taking the 18 so much. But it was like politics within the club. I sort of had to do it. So I was getting pushed closer towards the first team, if you like, you know, just to step away then. And so I suppose it was quite an obvious thing then when they eventually sacked McGat to sort of give 
give it to me, I suppose. And because I knew the club and, and it, like I say, it needed, you know, the fans needed their Fulham back and things needed to change around the whole club. And because I understood the club, maybe if someone like an outsider had come in, they wouldn't have quite understood how important that was initially. I don't know. So, listen, it worked out, you know, all right in the end. We, we stayed up and then... Um, like I said, I took over the club when they were bottom and I, I left when we were halfway in the championship and leading scorers. So I like to think there was a sort of big improvement there and things were going in the right direction when I left. A hundred percent, mate. And um, you definitely didn't tell anyone to put some cheese on their knees. Oh, no. I mean, that's, yeah. That was some a shame, wasn't it? It was quark, though, to be fair. It wasn't any old cheese. Oh, was it? Oh, was it out of Harrods? Proper quark, probably Waitrose, I think, to be honest. It was a nice bit of quark. Well, kids. Breda, Breda Hangerland, his wife, she wasn't happy, she said he was stinking all night. <laughs> <laughs> He's, he was a lump, wasn't he, Hangerland? He was... Oh, yeah. What a, what a good player, though, and, and a proper lad as well. A professional. Remember meeting him. Uh, meeting him in the in the cottage itself used to sometimes get some tickets and just just a, what a lovely guy, lovely lovely yeah. guy. Do you know, I what? mean that was obviously when I when I was playing, I first started. You know, me and Cookie and, and Morgs was in with us, um, and then Philip Albert came for a little bit, and we had real good relationships. But then I look at you know Breda and Aaron Hughes, and you think like what a pairing, and and probably they're both really good players, but. But certainly were were better as a pairing than than as two individuals, if you like. You know, they were they they worked together so well, and they they were brilliant. You know, the year we got to the Europa League final and oh. the season before, before we finished seventh in the yeah, Premier League. Yeah. You know, they they're a brilliant pairing. But both of them as well, like I say, just top top people, really good lads, uh, great professionals, and yeah, they certainly did full and proud those two. Oh man. Kit, I've got three questions left uh, I'm going to ask you, mate. Uh, again, thank you. And listen, we haven't had any glit. Now, I'm winding you up. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually quite good for you, I've got to say. <laughs> I hope, uh, listen, I'm just ashamed no one was here to watch it. No. <laughs> Kit, so I've got three last questions, mate. The first one is, I think I know the answer. Uh, the best player you've ever played with? Uh, well, probably Ryan Giggs, if I'm honest, all over my whole career um, with, with the international as well. Um, yeah, I think, I think probably, probably Giggs, he was like an incredible player, phenomenal. Oh, yeah. Was that what you were thinking? No, I put down the magic mod in the charity game. So oh, of course. Well, he, he was a second. Yeah, yeah. But I, even you go beyond Giggs. Yeah, Rocket was a no. bit special as a player. He, he, he must have. I mean, he was phenomenal, wasn't Listen, he? If, League of his own. If you hadn't missed that penalty in the first charity game we played, you might have just clinched it. You know? Right, the second question, Kit. <laughs> How far did you miss your penalty by him? <laughs> oh, my God. Do you know what it was, right? Um... As I told you before, so Jody Morris stepped up. He was going to take it, and I just thought there's no way in hell a Chelsea player is going to is going to is going to end up scoring in front of that Hammersmith end. And I looked behind, and the bloke who put it on, I think his name was Ryan, wasn't it? The geezer who yeah, yeah. Well, who put Ryan, the night on. Yeah. He was like, Ben, what are you doing? Ben, Ben, what are you doing? You you can't take it off of it. I said, Listen, don't worry about that. 
don't worry, I've, I've got it nailed. I've got my mum and dad in the stands, didn't I? And I already thought about my celebration, right? Because God's honest truth, a week before I went round the Stockdales, David, the goalkeeper, and his missus said, if you score, you've got to do something like lift up your top and put like, I love the Stockdales underneath. I went, no, no, if I score, knee slide straight in front of the cottage and all that. So I already had it in my head. Took the penalty and um, yeah, ended up being probably one of the best saves the cottage has ever seen, mate. Well, it's probably just as well, because I'm not sure you'd have made it from the Hammersmith end all the way up to the cottage. Anyway, so long I'll run that in. I'd have to get on your, your haystack, would I, eh? <laughs> I would have been blowing, mate. <laughs> Stop, I'll fly behind that. There would have been 10 minutes added on, mate. It's only a charity game. So, Kit, the next question is the best manager you've ever played under. Oh, oh dear. Um, I mean, I've been, like I said, I've been really lucky. I mean, just... Uh, mate, honestly, difficult to pick one out. I mean, Keegan was brilliant for me personally when I was at like my lowest end. He uh, he picked me, and his man management, Keegan, was brilliant as well. As well as you know, his, his on the pitch stuff, his his off the pitch stuff. There's a few a few, a few funny stories about him, how he like would keep you in your place. And have you got time for a quick one? Quick story. What? Yeah. So just, I was like, my first season, I scored 11 goals. So I was on a little run. Uh, and at this stage, I think I scored about, I think I scored five in 10 or something stupid like that. So I was feeling a bit pleased with myself. And we played like three team games. My team was on the outside and Keegan was walking, walking along around the outside of the pitch. So I'm on the outside. He's, he's walking past me saying, uh, playing well, son, playing well. I'm like, yeah, cheers, boss. Yeah, I am. You know, I was a bit cocky. And he went, um, yep. Bit of a um, bit of a purple patch. Do you having a bit of a purple patch? I went, yeah, yeah, I suppose so. And he keeps walking behind me now. And he's like, um, I had a bit of a purple patch once. And I went, oh, did you really? And he went, yeah, mine lasted fifteen years. And I went, oh. bearing in mind, you know, I, was, I scored a few goals in like the third tier of, of, of football, whatever. And he got European Football of the Year twice and won whatever. So he took you to the cleaners there. Brilliant. He absolutely murdered me. But without, you know, just just put me back in my place and uh, said, you know, keep, keep your feet on the ground, son. You're doing all right, but you haven't really done anything yet. And um, But it was a great, great way of doing it. And it stuck with me that I, I pissed myself laughing, I've got to say. Um, but it, I thought it was a great way of doing it. And it, it sort of summed him up a little bit. But as I said, T Keegan Tagana at Fulham. Um, like Trevor Francis at, at, at Palace. Jim Smith was, I love Jimmy, was... was um, uh, gave me sort of like put me in the first team really at, at Portsmouth and gave me a great run. But Alan Ball gave me my debut at Portsmouth and took me City. So I've been really lucky. It's like I can't, no. I can't pick one out, mate. To be honest, no, no, no. I've been, I've been really lucky with the managers I've had. No, fair enough, mate. Fair enough. Before I get onto the last question, I've just thought of a story, um, and I hope I get this one right. When we, when Fulham beat um, Blackburn, uh, coach uh, Lee Clark deflected cross and then Sean Davis and the rest of his history, as they say, uh, Tigana running up the touchline, Sean Davis trying to do some break dancing. Um, <laughs> I remember him telling me, it might have been the night after, they all went to Bolton. I think it might have been the Monday night, he went to watch Bolton or something and they had a box or something. And there, apparently in the box, there was no alcohol or nothing like that. And I think it was Sean and Barry they went to a pub around the corner 
And then the next thing you know, the camera's zoomed into the players in the box and they notice that Barry ain't Sean, ain't they? That's, listen, no, these boys, it was different times back then, shall we say. But, is that right? Did I get that right? I think so. I think so. So no. you were you you probably drove them down there. Every chance. <laughs> Kit, the last question is the most important one. Fulham's first home game at the cottage is against Brentford. What are the chances of you pulling it out of the bag and getting me a couple of tickets, mate? Mate, nailed on, no problem. Where do you want to sit? <laughs> Be, behind the manager. <laughs> I'll see what I can do. I'll speak to Boa. Love that. No, Kit, it's been it's been a pleasure. And, um, you know, obviously as a fan, you know, Fulham fan, it's great to know you. But as, as a friend, you know, it's lovely to talk to you again. And uh, uh, thank you for your time. Uh, pleasure, mate. Always a pleasure. You know that anytime. Just give me a shout. Top man. You have a lovely evening and thanks again for joining me. Will do. Top man. Cheers, thanks, bud. Kit. Take care, mate. See you later, mate. Bye-bye. Bye, -bye. Bye, -bye. Bye mate. It's trying to get it off now, isn't it? Right, that was it. Um, Kit Simons, a great friend of mine and a legend of Fulham. So thank you for everyone who listened and uh, enjoy the rest of your week. And keep it modular.